0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode number 82 of the Two Metal for this podcast. I'm Jason, and with me as always is Justin. How's it going, everybody? And Bobby. I'm Bobby motherfucking McDermott. the more
1: I know, the less I doubt that you know less, the more you're finding out. There's no denying. All right.
0: So I want to start out the show by saying thank you to everybody for listening to the episodes every week. Thank you. We appreciate you listening. And we appreciate you interacting with us on social media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got a few shout outs this week. What do we got? We got Big Baby Jesus. No Bulldozer. Mark McDermott. No How's it going? Beaumont Sabos mm-hmm. And Dennis Jaza. Mm-hmm. You. Appreciate you guys always sharing the episodes, trying to get the word out there for us. I haven't reminded you in a while, but if you have not already done so, Please give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, do that shit. Mm -hmm. Help us get into the good graces of the algorithm gods. We would
1: greatly appreciate that. A quick shout-out to John Shoemaker. Uh, He commented that he enjoyed my, quote, utter loathing of deathcore. (laughs) <laughs> he enjoyed that episode, but uh he then recommended a band to me. I didn't like it, but it was still cool that he recommended a band. I wish other people would recommend bands to me. I give you guys shit every fucking week.
0: Nothing. So thanks, John. Appreciate it. So we're going to do something different on this episode. I will be flying solo this week for the main segment. All right. Bobby's also got some music reviews for us. Mm-hmm. And before we get into those music reviews, here's Justin. With the news, I don't, you know. the news.
2: Incarceration have announced their entire lineup. The three-day festival will be headlined by Breaking Benjamin, Godsmack, and Shinedown, Down. But look past the headliners, and there's lots to get excited about here. Chimera returns, as do All Shall Perish and Shadows Fall. Machine Head will be there, Parkway Drive, I Prevail, The Offspring, Bad Omens and Chabel and Bad Wolves, Biohazard, Killswitch Engage and Seven Dust, Lay Dying, Poison the Well, Dropkick Murphys, Brand of Sacrifice, Dark Divine, and dozens of others. Incarceration will take place July 19th to the 21st in Mansfield, Ohio. Also to note, Lions at the Gate and Il Nino are both performing. Do you think it's possible Christian's going to show up and that El Nino said it all? no i don't think so there's either. a lot of bad blood between know. those guys wouldn't it be cool though i mean they're there together right? it would be awesome but no I know. rob zombie and alice cooper will once again co-headline the freak on parade tour with ministry and filter in support this starts august 20th in albuquerque and it ends september 18th in fort worth i can't imagine they're going to any new cities they've been doing this damn tour
0: for years well, they're not coming here this time. I, I was looking, I think it is maybe some different cities, but when I first saw it, I was like, all right, we're going to run with the exact same package again. Oh, yeah. like, it's kind of weird, but I mean, I guess for the people that didn't get to see it the first time. Speaking of Zombie, though, there is some exciting
2: news with the lineup happening. A uh, long time basis, Piggy D left, but Blasco returned. Guitarist Mike Riggs also recently rejoined the band so that gives us an almost complete Hellbilly Deluxe era zombie lineup for the first time since 2003.
0: Now give us some Hellbilly Deluxe type music. Yeah. <laughs> Part 1. I yeah. think those it, it, dudes were in Screw, weren't they? I believe so. I think yes. those are the
1: guys from Screw. It's not the fucking is it Rob Zombie's first album? Is it those guys?
2: Hellbilly's his, his yeah. first
1: solo project album, yeah. Yeah. I want to say it's the guys from Screw. Want
2: to look into that. Now, Jason's been begging Incubus to go on tour and play some old shit. Have you? And since uh, Brandon's such a big fan of the show, he decided to throw him a bone. Incubus will be performing Morning View in full on their upcoming tour with Coheed and Cambria starting August 23rd in Detroit and ending September 12th in San Francisco. <laughs> it's not quite the album you wanted, but,
0: you know, maybe. I've said it before, and I will say it again. Say it. Fuck you, Brandon Boyd. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. We don't want that album. We want fucking science. Fuck
1: you, Brandon Boyd. Hmm. Who's headlining? Is it the Coheed Are they headlining or is Incubus? No, headlining? it's Incubus is headlining. Not. I was going to say maybe they were just going to do this album for this tour and then go do their own thing and then do
0: science. Yeah, see if I don't it. think they'll ever do science. They play one song from it usually when they play live. That's the one everybody loves, though. Yeah, I think it's, it's Mor- what morning- all the cool people love. Yeah, <laughs> Mor- anybody I know <laughs> that
2: likes that band, they like that one. I, I think Morning View's got most of their popular songs on it. I, I mean, it, well, it's I, got, don't, got I don't dislike Morning View, so. but
0: I, that's not the one I want to hear from start to finish. Yeah. I'm not going to that. I don't give a shit either way. Nostalgia for this era is at an
2: all-time high. Case in point, Creed decided to extend their highly successful tour last year. Yeah, I didn't make that shit up. It actually has been. Uh, Three Doors Down and Mammoth Wolfgang Van Halen will join them this time. And on select dates, you even get Finger Eleven. I don't know about that. It starts November 2nd in Oklahoma City and it ends December 5th in Orlando. And no, I'm not going. Yeah, no, it's done. Power Wolf are set to headline with Unleash the Archers in support starts August 29th in Los Angeles and it ends September 15th in Lavelle, Quebec, Canada. Man, I really like that name, Unleash the Archers. You yep. fucking sad? Mm-hmm. Cool name
0: though. It is a cool name.
2: Fit for a King will headline with Chelsea Grin and Kingdom of Giants in support. That starts April 7th in Grand Junction, Colorado and it ends uh, May 2nd in Destin, Florida during the Panhandle. <laughs> Periphery will hit the road with Idola and Periphery guitarist Jake Bowen will perform a solo set of his electronic project during the tour. It starts May 8th in Nashville, North Carolina and ends May 18th in New York. In this moment, we'll headline the God Mode Tour with Kim Dracula and Mike's Dead in support. It starts April 28th in Anaheim and ends May 25th in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Kerry King announced the lineup for his solo project. Uh, on vocals, you have Mark Asagueto from Death Angel. Yeah. Former Slayer drummer Paul Bostaph, Former Hell Yeah bassist Kyle Schrader. And mm-hmm. former Machine Head and violence
0: guitarist Phil Demmel. That's we, the headline of the whole that. thing. We fucking said that. We did. I don't Fuck know if
2: we it. ever did it on air, but we definitely did. <laughs> I think did we did. I think
0: it was in one of the news segments, but fucking fill
2: in, Phil, baby. Yep. Mm-hmm. The uh, first single, Idle Hands, is now streaming, and the album titled From Hell I Rise, due out May 17th. Uh, Phil Demmel also officially left violence after this announcement. He actually said that he's been involved with this band for four and a half years and kept it a secret. So if you need a secret, tell Phil Demmel. He ain't telling nobody. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I not believe that.
0: Yeah, Justin, did you hear
2: the song? I, I did. That, that vocalist is garbage. Wow. Wow. It's absolute garbage. It sounds just like fucking Slayer, man. Like, I cool. was hoping for something slightly different. Why? Because Phil Demmel's too talented for this bullshit. I gotta mm-hmm. tell you, man. The, the That's more, no argument there, but
1: Slayer. Yeah. The,
0: the more times more that I heard it, the more excited I get mm. to hear the album because mm. it does it's I mean we're basically getting a new Slayer album. Why the fuck would it
1: not be new it's Carrie King? Why would he it. not do and more Honestly like I, I get it. I'm just I not kind of like
0: the vocals a little better. Mm. I mean Man. I I will say Man. that it's like a more aggressive like Tom Mariah. So I while know, it well, it's did hard remind to play me, and
2: sing at the same fucking time. While it did remind me of very sure. Slayer, the vocals were a little bit more tolerable. So yeah, maybe we'll see. It's <laughs>
1: like nothing.
0: Well, that's the news this week. Fuck you, Slayer. Yeah, damn. The other members of 2Metal for this podcast do not condone this message.
1: All right, I'm Bobby motherfucking McDermott with some new music out here I'm going to share with you. Going to rate this stuff on the 1-6 uh, to upside-down pentagrams. The intention is not to crush anybody's feelings, but I ain't here to suck anybody's dick. If I don't like it, I'll tell you. If I do like it, I'll fucking tell you. All right. The Obsessed got a new one out. Gilded Sorrow. Nine songs, 37 minutes is stoner metal from DC. This is the fifth full-length album from veterans of the scene. I'm a fan of Wino. I usually check out whatever project he gets into. Always has a great guitar tune. He's got killer riffs. Doesn't do the same formulaic arrangements. Uh been around for so long and been in like 10,000 bands he's already played all the obvious riffs so his stuff always has a different angle on cool rock and grooves but I cannot stand his fucking vocals but on this album it's not really that fucking bad it's kind of pulled back a little bit a little more chill it's getting old and all that title track is weak as fuck but the next song stone back to the bomb age is fucking awesome sounds like cathedral and on the back end you got yin sleep that's a good one Cool rockin' stuff from the nation's capital, the obsessed new one, Gilded Sorrow, 4, Upside Down Pentagrams, Pond Digger, self-titled, 9 songs, 50 minutes, a Kentucky Fried Stoner Doom. This starts off with a bong riff, then goes into some sleep style fuzzed out riffing. slow drugged out super chill vibes here, effects everywhere. Really cool effects on the vocal, sounds like he's underwater and far away giving it a other real type vibe transitions from songs to songs were not smooth, just lazy engineering, and the solos are sloppy as fuck. First two tracks bring the doom, but songs like Space Slut showcases their stoner rock side. Stand standout for me was the song Stoned Temple, seven minutes of drugged out awesomeness. Turn to bands like St. Eric, Ohm, Dozer, I dig this stuff. Uh, get your levels right and check out the self-titled album from Palm Digger, four and a half upside down pentagrams. Uh, this was the big anticipated album of the week. It was really the only one that dropped. Isan, Isan, is how you fucking say that? I-H-S-A-H-N Ison? I don't know. No, Subtitle. Eleven Songs, 49 Minutes of Black Metal Solo Project from Norwegian. Technically, this is all pretty good, I guess. I don't know who the fuck this is for. It's like when Bill and Ted are trying to write the ultimate song and there's like a full orchestra and army of didgeridoos. He's mixing death grinds with a bassoon and a fucking harp. Maybe Danny Elfman or Peter Gabriel would like this, but I sure as shit do not waste my fucking time. It's on self-titled too. Upside on pentagrams. Fonte del Diavolo. blades from the tomb. Seven songs, 43 minutes of black metal from Italy. This is blackened punk dune with witch rock vocals. Really cool spooky goth vibes. Not the fucking dumb hot topic goth, but like the cool rockabilly ones. Sludgy, melodic gloom with black metal grinds and enough charisma to be in a Quentin Tarantino soundtrack. Standout is La Raza. It's a slow burn, but could have been the title track. If you like Black Braid, you might like this. If you're in the mood for some Italian, check out the debut album from Fonte Della the Fire Blades from the tune. Five upside-down pentagrams. Singles. Molsten. Malstein. I don't know. Path of Nix. Nine and a half minutes of Swedish doom. No news on the album, but it's nine and a half minutes, so it should be enough for you. Yeah. Brat, Hesitation with 1 minute 37 seconds of Power Violence, Death Grind from NOLA. Their debut album, Social Grace, will be out March 15th. That shit's fucking heavy, and I'm not just talking about the fat shit drummer. But none of that fucking matters. This is the most important thing I have. The time has finally come. The first single of the upcoming album. From Grammy Award winning, By on Fire, Burning Down over six minutes of and metal from california the album cometh the storm will be out april 19th that's it that's all i got go listen to something about outer space and stay curious motherfuckers
0: from Shiprock 2024 got back on February the 10th and uh, probably if you're anything like me you're already getting a little bit of that post-cruise depression it happens to us every year this was my fifth sailing on the ship and it was my wife Amy's sixth sailing so unfortunately she got her 666 robe and I did not but I'll get mine next year so the purpose of this podcast is really, for those of us that were on the ship, so we can relive some of our the coolest parts of the cruise. But also, I'm hoping that people that have been thinking about joining and have been on the fence, that maybe they'll see this video or listen to this podcast, and maybe it'll sway them. There's always room for more. So I encourage you, if you're interested in getting on this ship and checking out this experience, please do. You are not going to regret it. And that said, the very first thing I want to say is big thank you to the Ask for Entertainment team that puts this event on for us every year. They're absolutely amazing. And when I get into this a little bit, you're going to see some of the shit that they had to deal with and the way that they reacted and the amount of hard work and effort that they put in to make sure that we got to experience everything that we signed up for was absolutely incredible and i cannot say enough about that team first and foremost so getting into the day of sailing we left on sunday february 4th to head out and we found out that before we even left they had already changed they being carnival cruise lines had already changed the entire itinerary due to inclement weather at some of the uh, ports so What that means automatically for the Ask For team is the entire schedule that they had come up with, the whole lineup and the times for the bands to play. Everything changes that they've already been working hard on. They've got to go back to the drawing board. So the schedules that we got in our cabins on the first day, they were completely wrong. So, more on that to come. But the day did start out as expected. The first event of that day as always, we always join on the Lido deck for a family photo. We get the announcement for the next year's Shiprocked. This particular sail-off was pretty special. Anyone that's ever been on Shiprocked and possibly any other Carnival cruise lines, we've had the privilege of having Cookie as our cruise director. If you're not familiar with Cookie, You're missing out. This dude is awesome. He's become a major part of the Shiprock family at this point. And we were all pretty bummed when we saw that he put in his resignation for Carnival Cruise. And so we're going into this thinking, oh man, for me, this was going to be my first Shiprock without Cookie. And that was a bummer. So much to our surprise, when they do the opening events before Sail Away, who comes out on the stage? None other than Cookie dressed in his best Michael Jackson with the red jacket, and they come out and do a choreographed dance to Thriller. It was absolutely incredible. It ended with the entire ship chanting out Cookie's name. Couldn't have asked for anything better, and this was kept as a total surprise. So kudos to the as For team. A lot of this stuff tends to leak out, but I think we were all genuinely surprised by this. So we also did the family photo which is self-explanatory. We all took a big family photo together on the deck. And then uh, we got the announcement for next year. So we're next year, we're going to the Virgin Islands, St. Thomas and Half Moon Cay. Pretty exciting stuff, especially for me, because we're getting more sea days this year. I like the sea days. Sea days mean that we're getting more music. You're getting more shows. I've been on enough regular cruises that, for me, it's not usually about the ports so much. But this one's going to be particularly awesome because we get those extra C days, and then we're going to a place I've never been before that I'm pretty excited to check out. Looking forward to next year already, even before we know what the lineup is. But uh, they picked the perfect band to play during Sail Away, and that was Beartooth. If you've never seen Beartooth before, I don't know where you've been, but you need to get out to one of these shows. They're absolutely one of the best bands I've ever seen live. And up until this point, That's always been because of their stage presence and their high energy and just the amount of raw emotion that the singer Caleb Shomo puts in to his performances. What I noticed this year at these performances that are different than the many times I've seen Beartooth in the past is Caleb has stepped up his game and brought it to the next level. I have never seen Caleb perform at the level that he did on this ship and he's never sounded better now you can attribute that to whatever you want if you're a fan of the band you probably know that he's went through a lot of personal changes recently got sober and if you listen to the new album he's in a much better place and it comes through so heavy in in the live performances now he sounded incredible no backing tracks nothing like that this was just Caleb at one point he even sang a cappella at the end of the at the end of the set He completely silenced the crowd, and his voice was so powerful that no microphone was needed. We could hear him all over the ship it carried. He just sounded amazing. The band put on one hell of a show. Perfect, absolutely perfect way to open the cruise up. So after that, we checked out Catch Your Breath, which is a band that I wasn't really familiar with other than I always try to at least check out a handful of songs before we go on the ship, but they sounded really good. The thing that really stood out to me was I remembered hearing them on the album on Spotify and thinking they sounded good, but they weren't that heavy. And I'm a metal guy. I want to hear the heavy stuff. This band sounded so much heavier live. It was absurd. It reminds me of the times when I've seen Black Veil Brides live. Because you see Black Veil Brides Live and they're this big wall of power. It sounds incredible. And then you hear them and it sounds like you're listening to the Diet version. And it's all because of the production that they're putting on these modern albums. But that was a pleasant surprise to me. They sounded much heavier. They had a great stage presence. Heavy on the backtracks. And I guess that's to be expected nowadays with a lot of these newer bands. Catch Your Breath was one that really stood out to me, though, because they are completely unashamed about those backtracks. There's times where you'll literally see the singer just standing there, no one singing. Don't get me wrong, like, the guy's singing. He's not using just the backtracks. He's not doing a Milli Vanilli on us. But they definitely use those backtracks to enhance the performance, and they don't try to hide it. And I guess we can think old Ronnie Radke with his laptops for that one. He's changed the culture around that, for better or for worse. Just depends on your opinion. I'm somewhere in the middle on that stuff. But yeah, really cool band to see live. But again, those backtracks for me, I could do without it. There were parts where the guitar players weren't even playing. We were just listening to the electronic stuff. But hey, whatever. I had a good time. Not complaining. If you're a fan of the band, no hate. Just my commentary. This is what I do. So the next band we saw on the deck that night was From Ashes to New. So this is a band that I am a regular listener of. I've heard all their albums multiple times, consider myself a fan. I discovered them long, long time ago at Welcome to Rockville in Florida. And I've been a fan ever since. So back when I saw them, it was actually before Danny Case had joined the band and I have not had the privilege of seeing them since. So pretty excited to see them. They played an awesome set list, a good mix of old stuff, new stuff. These guys sound amazing live. They're very into what they do. Just putting on a great show was a few things that stood out to me that I thought were interesting. So sometimes when you have a band with two singers, it's fucking awkward. Like sometimes there's nothing going on and the other guy just has nothing to do. Something I thought was cool about From Ashes to New is sometimes if one of the two vocalists doesn't have a lot to do, they'll actually play the bass for that particular song so that's pretty cool pretty silly guys having a good time kind of clowning on each other while they were playing not a lot of the relying on the crowd to sing the parts that you're too out of breath to sing one of the cool things about having two singers is you pick each other up so to speak gotta call out the choreographed moves on these guys I enjoyed the hell out of it I love a band that's well rehearsed and they really put some thought into what they're doing but it was like the new metal Backstreet Boys up there at times. They're all wearing their matching clothes and doing similar moves. And I just thought it was fun, man. Kudos to From Ashes New. Can't wait to see those guys live again. So we also caught a little bit of this band called Hot Crazy. Super interesting band. So anyone that knows me would probably think this is pretty far out of my wheelhouse. But we had listened to a little bit of it in the car as we were driving to the port and I had to check them out. If you have not heard of Hot Crazy, to me, I think they're a very Queen-inspired band. The singer's very eccentric. He wears makeup, he had a half shirt on, and he wears high heel boots on the stage. The guitar player is absolutely incredible. Not only does the music remind me of Queen in some parts, his guitar tone is so similar to Brian May. I just found it incredible. As somebody that never got to see Queen live, man, if they would have pulled out a cover, I would have just, I would have been in awe. But a really talented band that does not take themselves super seriously. They have a good time. They have a song about how I look so manly with my high heels on. I have been playing that song ever since I got off the ship. Again, not the type of thing I would normally listen to, but I've been loving it. So, glad we got to sneak that in there just before the headliner. And speaking of headliners, man was I excited this year to find out that Killswitch Engage was gonna be on this ship. One of my all-time favorite bands, Jesse Leach is one of my all-time favorite vocalists. I've seen the band many times, but no matter how many times I see him, I want to see him again. And if you tell me I can see him on a fucking boat, that's even better. Killswitch Engage, man. What a set list they played. They all came out with their matching swimwear on, which I thought was awesome. They had the swim shorts and the button-down Hawaiian-style shirts. Everybody was matching. Obviously, they came there to have a good time, and they were embracing the shiprock culture, which I thought was great. The band's always super silly on stage. Adam D's shouting crazy shit into the microphone like he always does. At one point, he asked the crowd if anyone was going to get whiskey dick because he said it's not a party until your dick doesn't work. So love me some Adam D. Really excited to have Kill Switch on the boat so we could hear some of his silly antics. Jesse, of course, I think the first performance was really trying to feel out the vibe and figure out kind of what he was allowed to do and what he wasn't allowed to do on the ship. So he did end up going down in the crowd, but I could tell he was a little bit restrained. We'll get more into that when we talk about their second performance. But their set list was just absolutely incredible. Awesome show. Can't say enough. Killswitch Engage, they could be the headliner every year, and I would come back for that. So that was the end of our first night. And then we get into Monday. So... I know everyone does their own thing on Shiprocked. Some people drink more than others. Everybody kind of parties their own way. We don't personally drink a lot on Shiprocked, but we do take our sweet time getting ready in the morning because we know we have a long day ahead of us. And so that's what we did. We got up on Monday. We did go to the meet and greet. We got to do the meet and greet with Killswitch Engage. That was awesome. While we were waiting in line... Somebody from the ask for team came up and said, Hey, does anybody want to create your dream set list for kill switch engage? And of course I was all over that. So they had us pick the 10 or the 12 songs that we would most like to hear played. So of course I was more than willing to put my two cents in here. Of course I went heavy on Alive or just breathing, but I tried to sprinkle in a healthy mix of the newer stuff too. Come to find out, the reason they wanted this is they based the set list for their next show on our suggestions, which I thought was one of the coolest fucking things that anyone's done on this this ship so far. So that was awesome. So we got to take our pictures. We met Killswitch Engage, Highly Suspect, a few other bands as well. And then from there, every year, the Shiprock's been doing this band feud, which is basically... You take two bands and they compete against each other, family feud style. So, of course, Cookie was hosting the events and it was I Prevail versus Bad Flower. This is, if you ever get a chance, don't sleep on these little events like this on the ship. You are going to laugh your ass off. And you're going to feel like you know these people in the band a little bit more, maybe than you even really wanted to. Sometimes you might find out some weird shit, but it is hilarious to see the bands compete and also to see them clown on each other and some of the silly answers that they give. Pretty awesome. I enjoyed it because someone gave Falling in Reverse as an answer at one point, which was met with quite a few boos. I know some of you listening and watching are probably fans of Falling in Reverse. Sorry you had to hear that. I don't like the dude. He's not for me, but I do respect his talent and he's he's earned all of his success, so I'll give him that I still don't like them, though. So from there, we got to check out another band called Sleep Theory. This was another band that I really was not familiar with. So Sleep Theory, I would put them in a similar category as Catch Your Breath. It's that newer kind of progressive metalcore, but heavy on the pop influence and a little bit of new metal. Lots of DJ scratching and stuff. They have a great sound overall. One of the things that I did really like about them is they're very versatile. So I noticed the guitar player does a lot of the harsh backing vocals and the bass player does a lot of the clean backing vocals, but their lead singer is absolutely amazing to hear live. It was pretty much flawless. I don't know what else I could say about the guy. He absolutely killed it and then they closed it out. I don't remember if they closed it out, but they definitely did a cover of NSYNC Bye Bye Bye. And uh, pretty much everybody was singing along. Not me. I'm too metal for that. But there was people. There was a lot of people singing along to that shit. If you're looking for a healthy dose of that baddie core, check out Sleep Theory. From there, we checked out a little bit of a band called Yanaka. They are a British punk band. And. This is another one that is really weird to me because we listened to some of this leading up to the cruise and I thought it sounded very pop-influenced, very just alternative rock and I did not really think of them as a punk band in any sense of the word, so it was interesting to see them live without all the production and the extra tricks, they were incredible. It was actually one of my favorite shows of the whole fucking thing. But it was like we were listening to a completely different band. Which, again, just a little mini rant here. These bands are killing their sounds with all of this overproduction. I know I sound like the old man, But sometimes we just want to hear the raw output. And sometimes we're just producing these albums to death. And unfortunately, that's one of the things, one of the bands that I think this really happened to. I don't know who made those creative decisions, but for me, too much production. I would always go check this band out live, though, any chance I got, because they were pretty explosive. Unfortunately, they did get rained out. So we only got to see a few songs. But after that, we checked out another band called Dayseeker. This is another one of those bands. They fit into that core genre. Another band that is heavier live than on the recording. I wonder why. The singer looks like a total dork. <laughs> and I, I don't mean that as an insult. It's just something that struck me while I'm watching it. I'm like, why is Wednesday Adams' boyfriend from the Adams Family movie up here on the stage singing metalcore. This is crazy, but the dude puts on a really good fucking show. Very emotional band, a lot of heavy lyrics. I can see why this band had such a big following coming into the ship. They all wore their Sunday best on the stage. They were all dressed up in their suits. They sounded basically perfect. It's like another boy band with heavy guitars, which is the thing right now. I think they're doing it great. Another thing that was weird to me, I mentioned their lyrics. They're very heavy and depressing, but they play them over this happy, upbeat music, which is a strange combination to me because, like, for instance, there's a song that the singer said that he wrote about his dad battling with cancer, which incredibly sad. I can relate. I've lost my dad as well. Hearing him say that, I tear up a little bit. But the tone of the music was so weird, like, it didn't sound like a depressing song to me, so I just thought that was odd. The one thing that kind of bums me out about this band, and this is a recurring theme for me, I'm sorry if I'm the old guy yelling for kids to get off my lawn, but all the cool parts in the song were done with the tracks, not with the guitars. And that's a bit of a bummer. Like, The band was perfect. They played all their parts. They did the rhythm parts. They did everything perfect. But where you might expect a guitar solo, you're going to get tracks that are doing some weird electronic stuff. And I get it. That sounds great on the record. But, man, I want to see these people... I want to see people shred. That's what I came here for. Show me what you got. But that's nitpicking, man. The show was great. If you're a Dayseeker fan, all love... I'm just critiquing. That's what I do. That's what I do. I can't turn it off, even if I tried. So the next band we saw was From Ashes to New. We saw them. They played a set in the theater this time. And this was one of the only experiences on the ship that was just a total bummer for me. Again, I don't drink heavy on the ship, but I understand that a lot of people do. But it's very rare that it becomes an issue. Most people are very well controlled and they're just there to have a good time i guess i found the one asshole on the boat to sit in front of in the theater and dude if you're watching this video or listening to this podcast i just want to say i hope you did fall down the stairs i really do anyways so i sit down and almost immediately after i sit down i literally feel someone's feet on my head and i am just completely baffled like why the fuck is someone's feet touching my head so i turn around apparently the guy's incredibly drunk didn't realize anybody was sitting in front of him cool i'll give you the benefit of the doubt i understand i've been a drunk asshole many times in my life made some jokes with the guy tried to smooth it over everything was cool We're trying to watch the show. Him and his group are being incredibly loud. I'm trying to tune it out. I'm trying to have a good time. They're beating and banging on the seats, and they're yelling at other people in the audience, saying that they're not enjoying the show enough. They wanted everybody else to be on their level, and obviously they weren't. I would have needed about six more drinks to catch up to them at that point. But the breaking point for me was when this dude put his hands on me, And I still don't know if it was intentional or not. I think he was trying to stand up and fell over and actually used my head to catch himself. Needless to say, it took a little bit of restraint on my part. So I finally got up and moved to another seat. Unfortunately, we were still in front of him and his group, and they continued to be loud and obnoxious uh, to the point that we ended up leaving the set early. And that's why I say that was the one kind of bum-out moment on the ship for me. It sucks, but you know what? We weren't going to let it ruin our good time. But if I do see that guy again, or if you're watching this, dude, you suck. You fucking suck. (laughs) That's all I'll say about that. We did get to catch a little bit of Luna Aura, her set that she played in one of the smaller rooms. We had seen her once before open for Corey Taylor. She does a great job. She sounds great a 90s alternative grunge type vibe. I think bands like Hole and Garbage, but a little bit more pop influenced. But great show. Good, chill music. If you want something to kick on the weekend, just relax too. That's a good band to put on. So then we get into Tuesday. Chances are, even if you weren't on the boat, you heard about Tuesdays when we got into Ocho Rios. And when we got in... It was more than a little bit windy and choppy out there. Unfortunately, after a lot of people had already made their way off of the ship, the ship struck the dock in Ocho Rios, damaging the ship and the dock, and creating quite a mess for everyone involved. It definitely it got a little wild. So basically what happened after we hit the dock... As a precaution, Carnival decided that we needed to undock and go out to sea until it was safe for us to redock at an alternate location. So in doing this, you actually had thousands of people that were already off of the boat that literally got left behind. I know some of them probably didn't know what the hell was going on. They probably were at their excursion or on the beach and just all of a sudden see their boat sailing away. Now, don't get me wrong, I know that Carnival and Ask For did everything they could to communicate that, because I got all those communications as well. But depending on your phone service, your internet package, whatever you had going on, some people probably got that communication and some people didn't. I was on the boat, so I could only imagine the people that were standing there watching the boat sail away. That would have scared the living shit out of me. Being left in another country, not knowing what's going on, yeah, it would have been pretty scary. It got a little scary on the boat, too, to be honest with you, though. I'm not going to lie. So we were still on the boat, and we really didn't know a whole lot about what was going on. Like We hadn't even been told at this point that we had made contacts, and none of this stuff was going on yet. So basically, we're chilling, and then... We hear this announcement that all Carnival staff report to your muster stations. This is not a drill. This is a real emergency. So we're like, what the fuck's happening here? Is the boat going down? What's going to happen with us? What's going to happen with all these people that are stuck back here in Ocho Rios? So that was a little scary. They literally, for a short time, they shut all operations down on the ship. People couldn't get drinks at the bar. I think a lot of people were more upset about that than anything else. But they were just following procedure. They were trying to make sure they had people in place just in case there were any issues. So nothing bad to say about Carnival or ask for. I think it was all handled really well. But unfortunately for the people that were off of the boat, it was a long time before we could safely get back over there. We had to wait on another ship to move, and we also had to wait until it was safe enough for us to dock again without running into the freaking duff, So the people that were supposed to be back on the ship at 3.30, many of them did not actually make it back on the ship until 8 p.m. or later. Um, and I know there's, I've heard varying accounts of things that happened when people were off of the ship. Sounds like a lot of them had a great time. We were talking to some people that were stuck in the same group with Elias from Nonpoint, and apparently he was buying them drinks and they were partying. But I also heard other people where they were just stuck in a little room somewhere waiting because whatever excursion they were on, they just got them to safety and they're like, hey, you can't get back on the boat yet. Chill here. So some of those people had a pretty shitty day. And then I I heard other stories about people being taken to a hotel and given food there. Unfortunately, I think it's one of those things where Carnival and Ask For did everything they could, but you're going to have those one-offs and weird situations, so... I don't envy anyone that got stuck in one of those situations. I can't imagine. That sucks. Anyways, needless to say, all entertainment on the ship was delayed for that day. But they did make an effort to get some shows going later in the night. So we missed a few shows. We did. But it wasn't as bad as it could have been. We did get to see Fire from the Gods on the dock. That was a great show. I had seen them before. I do. I think they're really they're a really good band. Nothing bad to say about Fire from the Gods. Cool dudes. Uh, they seem awesome. They're one of the bands that we met in the meet and greet. Guys were cool. They recognized my God forbid shirt. Shouted out Doc Coil. Cool stuff. And then we closed that particular night with Non Point. So. Nonpoint is the best band that could have played in this particular situation. These guys are basically like, Elias Soriano is the unofficial mayor of Shiprock. Like, this dude, he's been on a gajillion times. Everybody loves him. He's always in good spirits. He never shies away from the fans. If you want a picture, you want to hang out, you want to talk, he's never shut himself off to the fans in any sense. Just the perfect band for this. So they come out to the Gilligan's Island theme song, which was hilarious. People needed that kind of tension breaker after the long day that they had. And then they played What a Day. Again, just couldn't have been a better band to play in this situation to help lighten the mood and get everybody's spirits back up. So if you've never seen Nonpoint live, Elias is a super charismatic guy. Loves to engage with the crowd. Just a super cool dude. So again, that was a great way to close out that night. And really just get everything back on track. So that's where we left it for that night. Aside from, obviously, we went, we grabbed drinks, we had some food and whatnot. But we called it after that. And I think it might be one of the few times where a lot of people on Shipwrecked maybe called it an early night which is crazy because some of these people, I swear, they don't sleep the entire time that we're gone. But this time, yeah, they a lot of people call it an early night. So because of all the craziness that happened at Ocho Rios, we ended up having to stay an additional night in Ocho Rios. Basically, our entire stop at the Cayman Islands was canceled because the weather was so bad there. But they also had to fly specialists in to take a look at the ship and just make sure that everything was ship shape. So while that's going on, we didn't move. We stayed in Ocho Rios the entire next day. A lot of people, we were given the option to get off of the ship. As you can imagine, a lot of people probably decided not to do that. The ship was pretty full, but we didn't get any shows until 3.45 that afternoon we finally got the one and only performance that we were going to get from I Prevail. At this point, I Prevail had already been rained out a couple of times. They had been rained out once, and they had already been canceled the night before, after everything happened in Ocho Rios. They were among the people that were stuck on the island. They really weren't prepared to play. And so we finally got their one and only performance that we ended up getting on this, and Is it a bummer that I Prevail only played once when we were going to get two? Absolutely. Yeah, that sucks. But you know what? I said it at the beginning of this thing, and I'll say it again. This team had asked for... I'm not getting paid to say this stuff, guys. They did an incredible job. They had to deal with so many changes, and we only missed a few shows throughout this whole thing. Almost everything that was scheduled... They were able to get it back on the books, and we were able to proceed. Can't say enough about that. Thought it was pretty funny. We were watching I Prevail. Also, Eric came out with this giant, like fishbowl-sized, like margarita or mixed drink, and it was just so ridiculous and unpractical of a thing for him to be able to drink on the stage. But it was pretty funny, anyways. They did what they always do. I Prevail is. I've probably seen them outside of Deftones. They're probably the band I've seen the most times live at this point. Wage War is getting up there too, but I've seen them a ton of times. They never disappoint. Was weird. I noticed they had a second guitar player that I knew nothing about. So that's interesting. I don't know when they added him or if he was just for the live gig or what. But they had two guitar players this time. So finally, on Wednesday, we were able to catch part of this set by this band called Fury and Few. Few is actually inaccurate. There's only two of them. These dudes, if you are a fan of a two-piece band, if you've ever heard 68 and you think 68 is the noisiest band you ever heard with only two guys, you need to listen to Fury and Few. We only caught a little bit of their set, unfortunately, but they absolutely crushed it. Super talented dudes, Can't wait to see them again at some point. And hilarious as well. They did a little interlude where they were playing the uh, the Sarah McLachlan song and uh, asking everybody to please go buy their merch so that they can make their dreams come true and live in a big fancy house. It was pretty funny stuff. So then we also had the Stowaways set that night. If you're not familiar with the Stowaways, this is one of the most special things that happens on a Shiprock cruise every year they bring on various members from all different bands and they do cover sets for us they do two on each cruise it's pretty incredible pretty awesome to see all these different collabs from bands that you don't normally see for the sake of time here i'm not going to get into their whole set i'm going to talk more about their second set because that was the one that i was really excited about but if you do go on ship if you've never been on before or if you have been on and for some reason didn't watch The Stowaways, don't sleep on that. It's literally one of the highlights of the entire cruise. We also got to check out a little bit of Keith Wallen set. So he's the guitar player for Breaking Benjamin. Pretty good stuff. They're, they sounded flawless pretty much live. Mostly in line with that kind of Breaking Benjamin sound, but a little bit more of an alternative vibe. A little bit less heavy. This dude's a better singer than the singer of his main band. Like, it's pretty wild. Like, Keith Wallen, that that dude, he's got some pipes on him. So after Keith Wallen, we got to check out Highly Suspect. So this is a band that I'm a fan of their first album. And I've listened to some of the other stuff, but I haven't gotten too deep into it. But I can tell you that they're a lot of fun live. Definitely a much more chill vibe. You're not going to go out there and be banging your head and stuff, but you're going to have a good time. If you get a chance to check out Highly Suspect, definitely check them out. And then we closed out the night by going to see Caleb Shomo from Beartooth that actually did a DJ set. And he did it in the atrium. So basically, if you're not familiar, the atrium is like the center part of the ship where if you're standing on any floor, you can see down to where he's performing. So it was pretty neat because... People really filled up this whole area, and he got everybody dancing and singing. He played a good mix of stuff. It wasn't all metal. He played some hip-hop. He played some silly pop songs. He did a good job of playing to the crowd, and I think everybody had a good time. So Thursday, we started out our day with Fire From the Gods. So we had already seen Fire From the Gods on the deck. This was the theater show. We checked out uh, probably about half or so of that. And then later that night, we caught a little bit of the Point North show. Another band that apparently I had seen these guys live before and I didn't remember. Amy had to remind me of this. Cool stuff, like hardcore, old school, like melodic hardcore type vibes. A little bit of screamo mixed in there. But it was a fun, energetic live set. But one of the coolest things that we did on Thursday, or that we saw rather... So Josh Katz and Joey Morrow of Bad Flower actually did a little acoustic set also in the atrium, and this was definitely one of the most incredible things that I saw. The amount of people that filled all of those floors and the area, the big area in the main lobby of the ship was absolutely incredible. These dudes sounded amazing. They played a lot of their biggest hits. They did some other fun stuff, some covers and stuff, but the level of engagement by the crowd just blew my mind. People were just captivated by this set. Very special moment for sure, I think, that night. And then it was time for our second Beartooth set. So pretty much the same set as the first one, but they did throw us a few curveballs. Caleb played one of the slower songs. From first, he came out with an acoustic guitar and played a little bit of My Chemical Romance. And then he went into one of his slower songs and dedicated it to his wife. Beautiful moment, I thought. Just awesome performance. It was, this one was under the lights. So we got the full light show and the, the screen and everything. So same energy level. I got to watch this one from a different perspective. We watched the first one down on the floor where it was a little bit more energetic. And then the second one, we actually, we went up to the third deck, but had a straight on view of the show. So it was pretty neat to get that alternate perspective. And then we closed the night out with Killswitch Engage. Once again, I was super stoked because this is when they let us know that all of those cool little set lists that they took from us, they actually used to curate their set list for this second show which was pretty awesome. They could do, a lot of bands just play the same set twice, and there's nothing wrong with that, but they decided to throw a total curveball and do a whole different set list. It was awesome. The band came out to, on the screen, they had Poseidon's Adventure playing on the screen behind them, which was just hilarious. And uh, they were extra lighthearted and much like Nonpoint trying to make light of the whole situation. But uh, I think just like a lot of us, they were, we went through a lot on this particular ship, Rocked. Uh, I left out the part where at 4.30 in the morning on Thursday, we got woken up to doom, doom, doom. And it was once again telling all the Carnival staff to proceed to their emergency locations. And that this is not a drill, it's a real emergency. So, Amy and I are awake at that point. Once you hear something like that in the middle of the night, 4.30 in the morning, you're not going to go back to sleep. We wanted to know what the hell was going on. It was crazy. Like, we were pretty sure we were getting in those little fucking lifeboats and that the boat was going down at that point. So... Yeah, Jesse was making jokes about all of that stuff. It was a fun show. And fortunately, that little alarm, it was a little false alarm. There was a sensor that made it look like there was a fire in the particular part of the ship. And fortunately, that was not the case. And Carnival did get on about 30 minutes later and let us know that everything was okay. After we'd all had panic attacks and shit our pants. So... Anyways, back to Killswitch Switch Engage. Their set list was awesome. This time, Jesse went out in the crowd and he went everywhere. He was hugging fans. He was shaking hands, just connecting with all the fans. Adam D. at one point made his way off of the stage and went to the bar in typical Adam D. fashion. These guys came to party and have a good time. Jesse was chugging tequila on the stage. It was just, it was fun. You always got those fun little kill switch engage moments too. Adam D. did his little surprise squeal face. He makes the, he does the squeal with the guitar and then he seems like he's surprised by it. Oh shit, was that me? So that was cool. Great way to close out Thursday night. And sadly, we're at the last day. Friday. Last day on the ship. Always sucks. But we had a lot of fun. We started out by seeing the warning. If you're not aware or never heard of the warning, they are three sisters from Mexico. Very young. I think the oldest one is maybe 19 or 20. They all play instruments and they all sing. And they're not flashy. They don't trade on their looks for fans. They come out in regular ass clothes and just rock the fuck out. Just a power trio. Just killing it. Originals. They did a cover, like a reimagined version of Enter Sandman, which was really cool. They were a lot of fun to see live. After the warning, we went to the artist Q&A, which is always an awesome time. Uh, we had a lot of people in there. We had Jesse Leach. We had the singer from Five from the Gods. We had the singer from Highly Suspect. I'm sorry if I'm not familiar with all of these names, but it was a good time. The singer, Brandon, from the band Crobot He really won us over on this trip. I forgot to mention during the first Stowaways set, this guy came out and did a cover with the band of Give It Away by the Red Hot Chili Peppers and just absolutely nailed it. If you were watching it, you thought you were watching young Anthony Kiedis up there. He had all of the moves, the mannerisms, nailed the vocals. Everything was perfect. So I just thought that was really cool. But yeah, the Q&A never disappoints. And it's something that you're not going to want to miss. I think if you did not get to see it or hear it on the ship, check on Shiprock. Shiprock has a podcast called the Making Wave Podcast. And I believe last year they posted that as an episode. So if you missed it on the ship, be sure to check that out because the artist Q&A is awesome. One of my favorite parts of the going on the ship. So then we got the second Stowaways set. So we got some cool stuff. They went with a more of a horror theme this time. And the, what they call the house band, which is the main three members that make up the Stowaways, is comprised of the Andy Wood trio. So these guys all came out dressed like the mummy from the, the Iron Maiden album. That was pretty awesome. Good mix of people out there. They did all kinds of songs like horror related they did Number of the Beast, of course. They did Super Beast, Mr. Crowley, Shout at the Devil, Cowboys from Hell. They even did a metal version of Monster Mash, which was pretty awesome. Again, the Stowaways, don't sleep on the Stowaways. And if you have a chance, find those performances. I know someone's posted them to YouTube and check them out. And then we got to close out the night with Bad Flower. So Bad Flowers become a staple on Shiprocked as well. I want to say this was their fourth sailing. I could be off by one or two, but I think this was their fourth time on Shiprocked. I failed to mention earlier that their first set actually got rained out, and we were out there on the third deck, so we were definitely taking the brunt of this rain as well, and at one point, the guys looked at each other, and the singer, Josh, he looked at the rest of the band, and he's like, are we doing this? The rain's coming down pretty hard, and he's like, all right, we're fucking doing this. And they just continued to play through it. At one point, Josh's guitar quit working. He just picked it up and choked it across the stage, and then he jumped down in the audience. Total rock star move. It was, it was badass. <laughs> Unfortunately, the weather persisted, and there was nothing they could do. Equipment was faulting out. They had to call it. They cut that first set. But luckily, they got to make it up by basically being the last headliner on Shiprocked. As Josh said, they were our headliner by default, but they were happy to be there anyways. They always put on a good show. Bad Flower, if you're not familiar. Just a really chill kind of alternative rock vibe for the most part. And they got a couple of bangers where they go a little bit harder, but one of the most Talented bands I've ever had the privilege of seeing live, and one of the most amazing singers. you get a chance to see Bad Flower. Don't sleep on that. But for us, that ended up being the last show that we saw on the ship. We definitely had some regrets, some things that we wish we would have saw. We didn't watch Crowbot. We didn't know much about Crowbot, and after seeing the singer, Brandon with the stowaways, We really had some serious FOMO about that. And so we've been listening to them since, and we're like, we fucked up. But overall, we had one hell of a time on the ship. And again, if you were on there with us, tell us how your experience was. What was your favorite part? What was your favorite band? But if you weren't on there, it's time. All right? If you've been on the fence, you've been thinking about it, get on the waiting list. Come join us for 2025. It's going to be one of the best decisions that you ever made. All right. If you guys enjoyed this video or podcast, depending on where you're listening. All right. We do a thing here. All right. We're called two metal for this. A lot of our stuff is roundtable type discussions where we talk about some of our favorite music. We review albums. We give each other shit for stuff that we like. We have a good time. We also occasionally do some music or some band interviews. And from time to time, we do episodes like this where we go to a big show or a festival and we kind of give you what our experience was. It'd be awesome if you stuck around and listened to some other episodes. That would be great. You can find us anywhere Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, all the places you can find us at 2Metal for this. And if you have questions you can send us an email at two metal for this at yahoo.com that's pretty much it guys hopefully this will not be the last time that you hear my voice and see this beautiful face keep it metal guys